you're asking whether there's an evidence basis for NAD boosting for longevity, right? I don't think that there are any drugs or supplements for longevity, and I don't even know how you would test them in a reasonable amount of time. You know, aging is a very complex process that is very easy to accelerate, and a lot of people are claiming age reversal, but all they're doing is looking at biomarkers. Welcome to Inside Medicine, a podcast for curious people about the latest in science and medicine. We have conversations with leading scientists, physicians, and innovators in the spirit of educating and inspiring you to take actions that benefit your health. The future of medicine is here, and our goal is to bring it to you. I'm Dr. Jordan Schlain, founder of Private Medical, an active physician in the practice. And today I'm joined by my colleagues, Dr. Hadi Halazun, double board certified in cardiology and internal medicine from our New York office, and naturopathic doctor, Dr. Natalie Walsh from our Silicon Valley office. Our guest is the truth-telling scientist, Dr. Charles Brenner. He is currently the Alfred E. Mann Family Foundation Chair in Diabetes and Cancer Metabolism at City of Hope National Medical Center. He's known for his discovery of nicotinamide riboside, or NR, a precursor to the coenzyme nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide, otherwise known as NAD, which is a central regulator of metabolism. For those of you who are following the gurus in longevity, there is a sense that NAD could be a keystone to the fountain of youth. Dr. Brenner studies how NR and NAD can help us maintain resilience and youthful function. We discuss the myths of anti-aging, what constitutes pro-aging, and what the science really tells us about how to feel better as we age. Let's jump into it. All right, I'm excited today to be here with Charles Brenner, someone who's at the white hot center of, of the longevity conversation. And longevity means a lot of things to a lot of people. And I think the goal of this uh, podcast is for us to understand what longevity means to a scientist that's studying cellular mechanisms of what people think longevity is. So Charles, uh, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's my pleasure. And um, you know, maybe we could start, Charles, by you telling us a little bit about your journey of, of how you, uh, you know, you were at Wesley and then you got your PhD at Stanford. How did, how did you stumble upon those theses and, and how did you get to the city of hope and, and NAD and all this longevity stuff? My, I, I worked in biotech for five years after getting my bachelor's degree from Wesleyan. And I really, I mean, I really fell in love with, with research and I realized I needed a PhD to continue. So I uh, went to Stanford, got my PhD in cancer biology in 1993. Uh, I was always interested in enzymes, uh, did a postdoc back at Brandeis University in the Boston area, started working on some tumor suppressor genes, got a faculty job, first seven years in Philly at Thomas Jefferson University, um, then six years at Dartmouth, where uh, the enzyme that was right in my crosshairs is involved in making NAD, this nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. This is the central catalyst of metabolism. 
And essentially, I started working on this enzyme. I realized there were a lot of unsolved problems and how NAD is made, how NAD is regulated. Yeah, and that kind of happened right at the same time that NAD was re, kind of rediscovered as a sirtuin substrate. So I've continued to work on how NAD is regulated in health and dysregulated in disease. So when you talk about metabolism and NAD, uh, I, I know that uh, at least in my universe, people talk about NAD and they're taking these supplements and it's become a, a kind of a meme, NAD. What do, what do you mean when you say it's, it's like critical to metabolism? I think, you know, metabolism also means a lot of things to a lot of people. So here, this is where I put my, my hat on as a longtime biochemistry professor. And I say that uh, metabolism is not only the conversion of what we eat into ATP, biological energy, but it's the conversion of everything that we eat into really everything that we are and everything that we do. There's electron transfers in all of the reactions to oxidize fuel and generate ATP, but we don't only completely consume uh, fuel to produce you know, CO2, water vapor, and energy. We also break our food down into pieces like acetyl-CoA and pyruvate and alanine and so forth and build things up. So we make everything in our body, unless you have an artificial hip, you know, you've made everything in your body and you have to repair everything in your body. You make your own nucleic acids, you make your own protein, you make your own lipid. Uh, the sum of all those reactions is metabolism. And four NAD coenzymes are the central catalysts of metabolism. So they capture high energy electrons and they move them around and they basically allow us to live. So Charles, when you say ATP, uh, for me as a biochemistry geek, um, uh, I know exactly what that is and what that means, but is that the battery of the cell? Is that, what, what is, how would you define ATP as a, as a molecule? It's an energy, it's a unit of biological energetics, essentially. And so there are key enzymes in the cell that will take ADP, which is a lower energy molecule, and put a phosphate on it, make it ATP. And then that ATP can be used to do mechanical work. So when you flex a muscle, you are consuming ATP. When you're transmitting an idea, you're consuming ATP. Uh, when you're getting difficult uh, chemical reactions to go in a forward direction, you're using ATP. And the power of that third phosphate is put there from uh, use of macronutrients protein, fat, and carbohydrate are oxidized in order to build those units of biological energy. So basically, we eat food and we have ADP. We add a phosphate, uh, which is the stored energy of the food we ate. And then when we need energy to do anything, that third phosphate breaks off and releases energy to give us the power to do what we need to do. So by taking external sources of NAD, are we then able to add more energy into the system? Okay. Not entirely. Not entirely. There's two theories of why you might want to boost your NAD metabolism. One of them is not evidence-based and the other one is. Okay. There's a magical view that you want to take more NAD precursors and full disclosure, 
I discovered the nicotinamide riboside kinase pathway. And so I discovered the vitamin activity of NR, nicotinamide riboside, that's been commercialized by a company called Chromadex. I'm their chief scientific advisor. It's safety tested. There's dozens of human clinical trials for that compound, Nigen NR. So there's one theory of NAD boosting that you do it in order to increase the activity of enzymes called sirtuins. Sirtuins actually don't make ATP, but they do use NAD. And it you can measure higher sirtuin activity when you boost N- NAD. But I don't think that's really the primary function of NAD boosting. What our laboratory has shown is that these central catalysts of metabolism, you might even explain them as the central jewels of metabolism, they're actually exposed to the elements of metabolic stress. So when DNA is damaged, NAD is in decline. When there is time zone disruption, when there's obesity, alcohol metabolism, um, enough noise to produce hearing loss, and a half a dozen other metabolic stressors, infection, inflammation, coronavirus, these things put NAD coenzymes under attack. And so by taking NAD-boosting supplements, you're basically buffering the NAD supply so that you can continue to burn fuel and repair DNA and make lipids and do all the things that NAD metabolism does. So I don't think that NAD boosting is magic. While sirtuin activity is increased by NAD boosting, I don't think it's the point of NAD boosting. It's kind of correlative. And it's not that you're not going to just generate more ATP by having higher NAD stores. You're basically going to be able to get through conditions in which NAD is in decline. And by the way, it appears that the sum of all of these metabolic stresses, which occurs over time in aging, also produces a time-dependent loss of NAD. And so, again, by taking an NAD-boosting supplement, you're kind of trying to maintain your NAD-dependent metabolism. So, so the bottom line, really quickly, for, for people, because we hear about NAD as being given to, to a lot of people by IV, or is, is it, does that help or does that not help based on the evidence? I didn't say anything about IV. Food has protein, fat, and carbohydrate in it. Those are our macronutrients. Food also has micronutrients in it. Guess what? Food has NAD in it. And the NAD coenzymes in food break down to NAD precursor vitamins, the largest one of which is actually NR. And those NAD precursor vitamins get into cells and rebuild NAD stores when NAD is is under attack. And so you can maintain your your NAD with oral supplementation of NAD precursor vitamins. Or you can eat foods that are rich in this in these precursors. You know, in the, in the classical biochemistry, I, I I was trained by what are called ice bucket biochemists at Stanford, who, you know, back in the day, the day would start by a trip to a butcher to pick up a piece of beef liver, right? Or a baker to get a big block of, of baker's yeast, or or a farm to pick up a bag of potatoes. 
And then if you, if you want to purify NAD-dependent enzymes or NAD itself, you could use any of those food sources, right? So, you know, liver's chock full of mitochondria. It has lots and lots of NAD. When you, when you eat food, you're getting the protein, fat, and carbohydrate. You're also getting the coenzymes in it, right? So coenzyme A that's in cells breaks down and the piece of coenzyme A that goes back into cells is called pantothenate. And NAD is in liver and it's in all the other things that you eat. And it breaks down. And then you take up NR or nicotinamide or nicotinic acid from the broken down NAD coenzymes. It goes into your cells and your cells make their own NAD again. Now, somebody thinks that they're clever and they say, oh, you know, NMN or NAD you know, I think I'm going to I'm going to ingest NMN or I'm going to inject NAD because they have more phosphates on them. It sort of doesn't make sense because those phosphates have to come off. Your body knows how to break down NAD from food into vitamins and your cells know how to take it up. And so the intravenous injection of NAD doesn't make any sense. The NAD has to break down anyway. Has there been any scientific studies on IV NAD injections? I mean, I know there are... There's no safety. So so how can companies be... I mean, you can go to these websites and there are companies that will come to your house and, and give you NAD. I don't know if it's for hangover or for, for longevity or for what, but how do they how do they get away with, with injecting things into the body without a safety profile? I don't know. I've been to two or three of those conferences. I've proposed randomized trials for them. Part of the that community um, consists of what I call true believers. So there are clinicians that claim to have, you know, successfully treated conditions and this sort of thing, and they have, you know, anecdotal data saying that this is a curative or life, you know, saving treatment, and. When I discuss without any, you know, classically obtained medical evidence, they've decided that this should be their standard of care and they're doing it. But it concerns me greatly because I don't know, you know, how pure the NAD is that's going in that bag. And I do know that the NAD has to break down before it can get into cells. And, you know, I think that they're, I would not be taking an injection of anything. If I want to boost my NAD, there's a safe product to do so. Yeah. um, It's just a stark contrast to niacinamide riboside, which is generally recognized as safe and has been since 2016. So that that oral NR is is quite different. Right. So, So, yeah, the folks that the license that the Dartmouth patents, you know, went to the trouble to get a generally recognized as safe designation for for NR niagen, and um, and is it is subject to dozens of of human clinical trials. Since we are talking about NED and and the lack of evidence behind it, is there anything out there that is given that does have evidence in humans to reverse any any process of Aging on the cellular level? No one has said anything about aging yet today. So so the use case for NR is to maintain 
healthy metabolism through inevitable conditions of metabolic stress. DNA is damaged because we go in sunlight. Um, in models of uh, obesity and diabetes in, in mice, NADPH comes under attack. NR has activity as a neuroprotective agent in rodents for diabetic neuropathy, for chemotherapeutic neuropathy. Um, and all of that preclinical work um, suggested that we should test NR in conditions of metabolic stress in people. And there have been positive results, by the way. So in two or three different placebo-controlled trials, people taking NR had lower inflammatory markers. There's a small trial in which women had an improvement in body composition. Overweight women had an improvement in body composition, more lean mass, less fat mass, and had a higher resting metabolic rate. There was a combination study with NR and three other over-the-counter supplements in which COVID time to recovery was accelerated. There's a new study, small again, that showed that cerebral blood flow was improved in Parkinson's disease patients. There's an ongoing trial in mild cognitive impairment, sort of pre-Alzheimer's. And it was nearly a positive result in clearing fatty liver disease, uh, where people were not really randomized for fatty liver. So now you're asking whether there's an evidence basis for NAD boosting for longevity, right? So I don't think that there are any drugs or supplements for longevity, and I don't even know how you would test them in a reasonable amount of time. All of the new, you know, biotech activity in the longevity space, when you come right down to it, any of the candidate approaches that they're going to be tested are going to be tested at biomarker reversal or a disease or condition of metabolic stress. And so, you know, aging is a very complex process that is very easy to accelerate. And a lot of people are claiming age reversal, but all they're doing is looking at biomarkers. And just if you want me to pick on a you know, a, a, a published so-called anti-aging claim, I, I will, um, just because it's so easy to pick on. Um, a couple of years ago, there was something called the TRIM trial that was, that was published, right? So it was human growth hormone plus metformin plus DHEA, okay? Now, there's very few... Uh, gene pathways in mammals that every person who's thought about longevity agrees mutation of which increase lifespan. The only gene pathway that I can think of that everybody would agree is a pro-aging gene pathway is growth hormone. So from worms all the way to mice, if you diminish the amount of IGF and growth factor signaling, you can extend lifespan. All these shrimpy little mice that are basically uh, not fit and couldn't compete in the wild, but they're very long-lived, right? And we know that 
things like uh, testosterone and growth hormone are anabolic, but we know from animal studies that they accelerate aging. So what you're saying is the, the anti-aging stuff that's being promoted is actually pro-aging, more or less. So there's all sorts of people that are claiming that they've reversed their biological age using biomarker tests that are not validated to make such claims. And people like myself that have done the innovation in the NAD space are not claiming that nicotinamide riboside is a longevity drug. Now, when we started the TrueNigen brand, you know, I agreed that we could put the term, uh, you know, age better on, on the bottle. And I think that that's possible because I think that by boosting your repair capacity and your resilience by maintaining NAD coenzymes under all of the inevitable conditions of metabolic stress and age in which NAD is under decline, that that's a valid use case for NR that is being clinically tested. But uh, neither I nor anyone that whose work I, you know, admire uh, claims that NAD boosting will uh, be a longevity drug. So I want I want to go back to the to the NAD thing and the and the food real quick, which is so if you're living a healthy life and you don't have, I mean, there's always stresses uh, in life, uh, whether it's travel. But if, so if I'm traveling to to the East Coast or Europe uh, and I'm going to deplete my NAD because of that, is that when you take the, the supplement? Or do you just eat healthy all the time and you have a natural buffer? Because it sounds like the NAD is a buffer against pro-inflammatory uh, or pro-chronic inflammation. Is that accurate? Now I'm speaking anecdotally, which I don't love doing. But, you know, there, there are athletes that, um, that take it that find that it uh, accelerates their workout recovery. Uh, they can, their performance is increased. So there's football players that, take true niagen there's um people that just kind of work long hours or um you know we just are trying to emerge from a pandemic in which there was a lot of concern about um you know infectious agents um there's a mechanism that we discovered by which um nr boosts the innate immune response so in a coronavirus infection, there's a double-stranded RNA and turns on what's called an interferon response. That leads to an NAD depletion. So there's many, many conditions of metabolic stress that uh, deplete NAD in one tissue or another. And so the use case for um, NAD boosting is to, like you say, to, to, to kind of buffer against all of those conditions of metabolic stress to try to keep functioning optimally. One of the things that, that is almost universally noticed is that um, fingernail and hair growth is is more robust. There's an anabolic component to it. Um, people find that um, minor scrapes and bruises heal very rapidly. Um, and actually, that's something that I plan to test um, clinically. So do you take it? Yeah, I was actually the first person in the world to to take NR. I know there's not been a lot of trials on it. Any known downsides? Any any things that we should be concerned about? Um, the the all of the safety data have been really good. I mean, even in you know in negative trial, like there was a trial of 
elderly Danish insulin insensitive men. So they were obese and type 2 diabetic. And these folks thought that in 12 weeks of of daily NR, they were going to have a better HOMA, HOMA uh, IR score, right? Better, um, you know, insulin sensitivity score. And, you know, they didn't. Without any lifestyle intervention, you don't lose weight and you don't get more insulin um, sensitive. But they, the guys that had the fattiest liver had a very serious um, reduction in liver fat in, in just 12 weeks. So it seems like liver fat is something that responds fairly rapidly to NR. But um, it, the placebo-controlled um, analysis for adverse events always looks very clean. So um, doesn't cause headaches, doesn't cause flushing. Um, all, it's very safe. So, so on the subject of, of, of longevity, you know, I, I, I tell people, look, l- let's make it to your naturally programmed expiration date, you know, which, you know, if, if you're healthy, you get to, you know, 85, 90, 100 even. And, and, and it seems like everyone is taking these experimental treatments because they read about them in a, in a newspaper or somebody in a book. And, and then, but they're not concerned about that cancer. Um, that's, that's the thing that's going to really cut that naturally programmed uh, expiration date short. I mean, that, that's the argument that I use is you can do this stuff, but it's never been proven. And, and, and all the upside that you're being sold, there's not a lot of downside being, being talked about. But if the downside's cancer, why would, you, why would you take that risk? So the informed cons- consent, you know, for uh, the trim trial should say evidence indicates that human growth hormone, you know, will accelerate your aging. On the other hand, you know, it may lower your Grimage score. And the investigators think that that is, you know, extending your lifespan. But other people like Brenner and everybody that's ever worked on growth hormone thinks it's going to accelerate your aging. I don't think that they actually tell people that, you know. And so this is a, this is a big concern for me. I agree with the premise of your question, uh, Jordan, that human beings are at around 120 and there are some extraordinary people that, you know, can still walk and function and carry out, you know, terrific conversations when they're over 100. And so, you know, being one of those people should absolutely be the goal. If we can get more people to 100, that would be terrific. But I don't think that they're going to get there with fad diets. I don't think they're going to, I know they're not going to get there with resveratrol. And... um there are not even data from a dog indicating that, you know, rapamycin um, is a longevity drug. Um, statin is a great drug if you have high cholesterol, right? Um, and metformin, you know, could be a, a terrific drug if you need glycemic control. But, um, you know, to my mind and my reading liter- literature, um, most of the benefit for metformin is for type 2 diabetics and not for the worried well. Okay, so uh, Dr. Brenner, some, some quick questions here. Uh, so number one, what is, what is the integration of longevity into primary care? As, as primary care doctors, how do we start to think about this? Is it food, food, exercise, and sleep? I think it starts with mom's advice, right? So, you know, be, you know eat, eat good food, uh, get good sleep, 
be uh, physically active, mentally active and engaged. And um, I don't really see the shortcut. Don't take medicines that you don't need. Don't do lots of drugs. Don't smoke. Um, I, I'm not an MD. I'm, you know, I'm a biochemist, but um, the people that live, you know, the happiest, best, healthiest lives are, you know, basically active and doing the things that they want to do. Who are the experts in, in your field that we should be paying attention to aside from you? In in the you know this kind of quest for for slowing down aging, maybe not reversing it. Michael Rose, is, you know, has done some amazing work in fruit flies. Um, I basically learned from him that um, selective pressure, you know, is what generates uh, an animal gene set, and that longevity is not a directly selected trait but rather the ability to reproduce over time is a selected trait. Anybody that says anti-aging, I sort of try to ignore. And what has been the biggest revelation in your field in the last five years? I would say in my field, it's that the NAD coenzymes are, 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 are subject to conditions of metabolic stress, that the NAD pools, NAD plus, and NADPH pools can come under attack in many disease states. And uh, I don't even think that everyone in the NAD community is, is fully aware of that. And what do you see as the next, the next interesting or biggest thing coming down the pipeline? What is the research kind of leading us to? Well, everybody, you know, there's a lot of people that want to be active in the direct-to-consumer space, um, you know, selling kits and personal diagnostics. And to my mind, there isn't one yet that has a uh, compelling use case for the consumer. So I think that um, consumers should save their money largely, not do the, the kits and, and most of those um, subscriptions. I don't think that your microbiome is actionable. I think that there is potentially a use case for NR uh, but I don't think that there's a use case for any of the age kits or the NAD, you know, assays. You know that if you can walk further, you are a better health outcome. So I don't actually see the value of of knowing your DNA methylation score. There's this new kind of eye age, this inflammatory age uh, company that uh, I just saw basically measuring all these inflammatory markers. And if they're high, then you're probably going to age faster. And if they're low, then <laughs> you'll age slower. So that that kind of makes sense. That I mean, that's not telling you your your actual biological age. There could be a value proposition for that, you know, and th that almost makes sense with, with NR. But, but I see these as research tools right now. And I don't see a consumer um, really getting an advantage from any of these things right now, I could change my mind in the future. Excellent. Well, we will, we will stay in touch with you to see if you change your mind. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Brenner. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. This was fun. Thank you, Charles. I really appreciate you being a source of truth in this, this space. Yeah. Thanks so much, Charles. This was great. Um, you know, this reminds me of a quote by uh, Jack London, who uh, once said, the proper function of man is to live, not to exist. I shall not waste my days in trying to prolong them. I shall use my time. And I think that's pretty wise advice. Cool. 
Thank you for listening to Inside Medicine, a private medical production. We hope to have inspired you to think a bit differently about your health and the healthcare system. Until next time.